Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and I'm alongside my awesome co-host, Qasem Aslam here. And this is the show where we share cutting edge strategies on acquiring leads and sales for your business through paid traffic. And today we're going to be talking back on the Facebook ads. I know we've devoted a lot of airtime to that Google Performance Max thing, Kasim, but we're going to go back to basics here, how we crushed the iOS update as if it doesn't even exist and got an amazing result for one of our customers. This is a case study, to one of four case studies that I'll be talking on at AdWorld May 2nd and 3rd, Kasim. I know you'll be talking there as well. I want to let our listeners know a little bit more about AdWorld if they haven't heard it already. Be there or be square. I don't think there's a, a thought leader in the traffic space that isn't going to be there. Mm. Uh, it's an unbelievable lineup. Dennis Yu, who's also coming over on to perpetual traffic soon, so stay yeah. tuned. Molly Pittman, of course. And then they've got some, like, just sort of, I think, fun people. Seth Godin's going to be there. Uh, I think Ariana Huffington, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So tons of, and, you know, it's not the names that are important. It's the content. But the right. tickets are effectively free, given how much value they're offering up so you can save a ton of money go there buy the tickets come see me and ralph say hi say nice things about our talks i love how you turn it back to me and you yeah prop us up y'all that's that's why we're here you know i'm surprised we don't get more like negative reviews about just how (laughs) seemingly full of ourselves we are on this show but actually in real life you're a very modest individual so i'm i'm just Tell them the perpetual traffic listener. I mean, I play a jerk through podcasts. <laughs> you you ramp it up a little bit when you get on uh, behind the mic. But anyway, uh, we're just trying to bring you guys relevant stuff that helps your business grow and scale. And I think today's episode is definitely going to be able to do that. Big shout out to the Tier 11 team. Yes, we're going to be talking about Tier 11 stuff today. So that's what we do. We run lots and lots of ads on Facebook and Instagram specifically. We also do uh, all social media, Snapchat, TikTok, you name it, as well as we have a very burgeoning and fast-growing Google, YouTube, all six channels over there, Performance Max included. But today we're really going to be focusing in on just Facebook and the social side of the equation and how we were able to, to you know, nullify, nullify, I would say is a good word. It's a great the word. iOS update and get a great result for this customer. And now we're doing it even more so, blending in other levels of traffic. So we will be back right after this quick break here. And I I know this is joke is probably playing itself out. And Ryan, I think, is probably just going to come up and slap you at, at War Room. But regardless, let's do it one more time here. What What is it that Ryan needs to buy with this block of ad that we're just about to unleash to the perpetual traffic listener? 
Ryan is buying an at-home compost machine because he's a a new guardian garden gardening enthusiast. Just in time for spring. That's so, right. Yeah. You know, funny thing about a composting machine, my wife is like she she reads a lot of books. She reads probably as many, if not maybe more books than you do, which is like a lot. But she read, I think, 300 books in a year. Oh, my. And she has more books on composting. Like there's at least seven of them and they're all over like coffee tables all over the houses. And she's actually bought four or five of them, all of which have ended up in the trash. So, Ryan, good luck on that. We'll be back after this quick commercial break. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. All right, we are back here on Professional Traffic, and uh, it's just us kids here today. We're going to be getting deep into a case study, and uh, Kasim, feel free to poke some holes into this case study here. Oh, I will. Yeah, I'm <laughs> going to take you to task, bro. I, I plan on destroying our friendship here on this podcast right now. That's great. So this is yep. going to be good audio listening for the listener. Uh, let's get right into it. And the big part of this, the big promise, and this is, like I said, this is one case study out of three that I'll be presenting at Adworld. The big result here was that we had a 28,284% monthly revenue increase with this customer. And it was a 5,800% monthly ROAS increase in less than a year. And it's a lead gen digital products, sort of at the in the work at home space. I wouldn't necessarily even say it's work at home, but it's, it's really, it's sort of a business in a box. And it really did take off started doing extremely well during the coronavirus in 2020 and it's just continued to scale up in 2021 and 2022 now that we're adding even more channels into it so those are big numbers and i think you know when we look at that it's like it's a 58x roas increase it's a 282x 
monthly revenue increase. And it was a very successful business, still continues to be a very successful business. Like I said, it's in the the business in a box space. We used to call this like the biz op space back in the affiliate days. But in essence, they help people repair their credit. So it's actually, it really does a great job. The product itself is a tremendous product. They sell a lot of different products sort of on the back end. They sell coaching, they sell physical products, they sell, they sell software. So there's a lot to this business, which is a very good example of, we took a very good offer and then just made more out of it online. And like I said, they were doing about $1,300 a month in revenue. How long were they around pre you guys, Ralph? They have a significant business offline. They could not figure out how to really crack the code. They just couldn't find digital traction. They couldn't find digital traction. Yeah. So I believe they were, they've been in business for at least 10 years is my guess. Wow. Dude, those are my favorite businesses. They're, they're really successful already in an analog version. And now we have to take them digital. Yeah. What they were having success with is that their, their founder actually has a really strong YouTube presence, really good content creator, you know, very affable, very helpful, very useful. And a lot of their, lot of their, the stuff that was working online for them was not paid advertising. It was just organic through their, their YouTube channel and a variety of different social channels, but they just couldn't figure out how to put it all together on the paid ad side. So as of, I think this is from last month, they're now doing just about $400,000 a month in online revenue. It's a digital product. Which means that's all profit. Like that's straight to the bottom line. It's, it's very good. Yeah. So, but they're now experiencing, you know, an even a higher return on ad spends through the Facebook ads platform. Like I said, they look at things a little bit more broad based that they've got the right approach. They're not just looking channel by channel. They look at the entire ecosystem And now we're seeing that the tide being raised on all channels as we fold in Google, Snapchat, TikTok, all the other sort of channels in addition to Facebook. We're just really going to talk about Facebook here, but that $393,000 per month in revenue is part of a very significant overall business. But the point was, is that they just weren't able to really do it on the paid side or at least make it work economically. So like I said, that's about $28,000 percent revenue increase, however you want to do it. And the ROAS is, is pretty outstanding as well, about a 57X ROAS increase. So the, on, on Facebook, and this is you know, what I'll be going through, you'll actually be able to see this live at AdWorld, but I'll show you the screenshots of like what was going on. So January 1st in 2020, like, like I said, they were not doing a whole lot in online revenue. They were spending a fair amount. They're spending about 33,000 in that range but then what happened is that they actually lost their, their account. <laughs> so for a long period of time, there was a big, big dry spell. And that was an issue. So in not all cases can we help remedy this, but we do have a very good relationship with Facebook. It's not something that a lot of agencies have. And we were able to work through policy to get them back. Like I said, they're in this credit space. So they were being lumped in. They were throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And as a result of that, the Facebook policy was banned their accounts. So they were really sort of out of business on the online world. They tried different pages, different ad accounts. Nothing was really working. And so we started working the magic on the inside and got them back. So we're now spending 
you know, well in excess of $100,000 per month. And now they're doing, as far as purchases go, about 400K, which is about a 4X revenue. Now, like I said, there, if you, we break this down through the third party data system that we do use, we do use Wicked Reports for these guys. Shout out to Scott and the crew over there. We can break this down by channel. And so there's significant revenue that's actually happening on the Facebook side. But if we really look at the date range for them, for their entire business, you can see their total attributed revenue for all online spend is even higher than what we're seeing inside Facebook. So Facebook is obviously trying to, and they do this, and you know, this is a Google ads agency and we're well aware of it. They try and take a lot of the credit, you know, for the view through conversion, not only the one day click to the seven day click as well, but the overall business as a whole is what we really look at. And we look at that, we analyze that through wicked reports in our amazing team led by our, our guy, Kobe, who's actually gonna be on the show here. Nice. I think we're gonna bring him in because uh, he's such a gun, as we say, inside tier 11, is they look at Facebook for direction, but really measure how the business is doing through Wicked Reports, which is really marketing efficiency ratio. And I know you guys do a fair amount of that, especially when you work with agencies that are not Google agencies, maybe some tend to try and take more credit than others, but like, this is a good way for us to understand, okay, what we're seeing in Facebook. Yeah. We're going to take it with a grain of salt, but what we're really focused on, we'll get into this in the case study is what cold traffic is doing, what new acquisition is really doing and how that is driving the business forward. And then we use wicked reports as a third party tool, as well as our own you know, internal tracking systems and sort of triangulate the three of them together to say, okay, the business is moving in the right direction. Because if we don't look at other sources, the source of truth, and you, all you're doing is just looking at your Facebook ads, especially now, you could potentially run your business into the ground because your Facebook ads and your Facebook ads manager is not necessarily showing everything as accurately as it probably should be. It might be taking more credit, might be taking less credit. In this case, in this particular customer, we found that it's typically it's taking more credit, which is the reason why we focus mostly on the new customer acquisition campaigns, which is our level one campaigns, which I'll uh, explain in just a second. My experience as a Google guy with Facebook specifically, and this is an indictment of Facebook, but also a defense of Facebook. Facebook takes more credit than it deserves at the last click level. So there's a purchase, Facebook steals credit, but Facebook doesn't take anywhere near the credit that it deserves at the first click level. Because very often the session ID breaks, the tracking breaks, the, the, the timeline is longer than Facebook can track. And so what we found in, in Google, and I found this out the hard way, we'd be running Google ads and we're crushing it. And the client's also running Facebook and the Facebook ROI is abysmal. So we'll tell them just turn it off and bring us the budget. Well, we didn't realize as soon as they turn off the Facebook campaign, our campaign started to die on the vine because it was the Facebook campaign that was generating the traffic that was feeding the Google campaign, but we weren't able to connect those two things. Right. So attribution is honestly it, at this point right now, a, a damn near impossible puzzle to solve. And I'm going to make a really bold statement. I think that's going to continue to get worse. Google's operating off of a 500 touchpoint paradigm. You have to be in front of somebody 500 times. So to say that Facebook is selfish or Google is selfish, like, oh, that's true. But also they're just, it's, they're just data mechanisms reporting on the fact that they interacted with this customer at one point. And if you truly do have 500 touch points with every single individual purchaser, 
you're going to have every advertising mechanism that you've ever run interact with that person at one point or another. And it's, it's impossible to properly attribute credit. So the only thing that we can do is exactly what you're saying here, which is ROI, cash in, cash out. And now that doesn't mean you ignore attribution completely. You have to play with it. You have to massage it. But I've had people tell me, oh yeah, we don't run Google because Google's greedy. Well, yeah, of course it is. But what else can it do? It's like either I'm going to claim credit for something that I can clearly attribute to us at some point or ignore it entirely. Like there's no, there's no good answers here. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you have to have like in this balance and you're right, like the, the both platforms and then you throw in other platforms and all of a sudden it makes it even more complicated. Oh, dude. Complex. Yeah. Talk about programmatic or display or yeah, I mean, honestly, even people with really strong traditional marketing methods, I've got clients that still crush direct mail. Direct mail's coming back, by the way. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Yeah. We have a very large direct mail customer, $30, $40 million in revenue. Same thing. Have not been able to do it on the paid digital side, but hugely successful yep. in the supplement space. I mean, still crushes it like old school style, lumpy mail letters, co copywritten, like a meeting with the copywriter this Friday. Like these guys are like, they're badass. Yeah. Those yeah. are the best marketers in the world. Still there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But anyway, so you have to look at this holistically. And like I said, you know, you'll, you'll get the screenshots and everything inside the presentation, but it's pretty significant what total attributed revenue to all sources are. I mean, we've got offline conversions added in here. Like we're looking at everything, but our media buying team is pretty darn savvy. And what they really focus on is the level one cold traffic with all the exclusions, like new customer acquisition, which when we layer in, I think we're already starting to Google Performance Max here. It's going to be like, oh my God, the puzzle will be even more complicated. But I think the customer, the end result is going to be even more phenomenal. Have you played with the Performance Max's new customer acquisition only tool yet? Not enough to be able to report on it here, but yes. It's, it's, it's cool. We, so you and I share one mutual client. And because it's in beta, we, we don't have it for everybody, but Google rolled it out for them. And Ralph, it's a game changer, dude. It's unreal. You get to tell Google, like, leave my previous customers and traffic alone. Only bring me new people. It's the first time I've ever seen that. I love it. I absolutely love it. Like, I'm so excited about Performance Max because that's, it's so much in alignment with why people hire us. Like, they don't hire us to retarget to their current customers or to their website visitors. That's usually... Like when this ad account came to us, all they were doing was sort of a mishmash. And we'll get into it here, how we sort of use this traffic harmonizer system to, to create order out of chaos. That so usually that's the case. They're putting out blogs, they're retargeting, it's all mashed together, and, but nothing's really moving the needle. There's no new customers. So that's the first thing that we do. We, don't, we know that we'll get the people who have added to cart, the people who have viewed a product, the people who have fired a page view or had engagement on a video, like we can retarget them on level two through level four traffic types inside Facebook. What really matters is the new customer acquisition. Yeah. Like I, I don't care about the retargeting. I know it's, it's great. It's window dressing. It helps with ROAS. Great. It's awesome. But if you can figure out the solution to that top of funnel, equation, all of a sudden you change businesses. We were able to do that with this customer. And that's what I think that performance max is going to be able to do 
almost as well, if not maybe even better than Facebook in a lot of ways, which is why we're so excited about it at Top of Funnel. But yeah, nothing to report yet, but that's the the feature that I think we're universally most excited about. I just want to point out that you're the one that brought up Performance Max, not me. I, I, I did not. Yeah. Well, I can't help but t- not talk about it. I mean, you know. Well, you guys are uniquely suited for it because Performance Max is light. It's Facebook 2014. It's media yeah. heavy, creative heavy. It's actually, it's to my disadvantage because we're, you know, just Google Ads data nerds. But to be able to go in and use, you know, the tier 11 prowess and to go multi-channel with it, I think that, I mean, y'all are going to, y'all are going to crush it. Yeah. I mean, you'll see some assets in this presentation here that are badass. Yeah. What if we started using those on Google, using yeah. Performance Max for customer access? Like we already know it works tremendously. It's, it was the linchpin for this certain type of video type, which we'll get into here in just a second. It's like all of a sudden we can now double down on multiple platforms on new customer acquisition with Performance Max because we already know what audiences respond to. It's crazy. So anyway, so um, more, we'll have a lot to talk about in the next couple of months here on Perpetual Traffic, that's for damn sure. So anyway, so how did we do it? Well, there's this system that we refer to as customer acquisition amplification. I won't get into the whole thing, but it basically it's four or five, actually six different parts to it, different components. And we basically pick and choose which component we, we feel we should use in that customer journey. So in essence, what a customer will come to us and say, okay, here's what I want. I want new customer acquisition. And so we do a full analysis through this strategic growth plan, takes three to four business days. We go back, we present it, we break down everything, do the whole analysis. That's basically the foundation. We say, all right, here is where you're at right now. Here is where we think we can take you. And we diagnose, prescribe, and then ultimately when they onboard, we implement a solution and then iterate on that solution. So we call it DPI squared, but it's it's every advertiser should be doing this. Like diagnose where your issue is. Like where's the hole? Is it a funnel issue? Is it a tra- traffic issue? Is it a campaign management issue? Is it your ads suck and you need to do more deep dive research and actually create really good creative issue? Is it after the click, you have a 0.001 conversion rate on your landing page? Like where's the hole? So we diagnose and then like a doctor, well, you know, I take my little medicines every single day. Like we prescribe, you know, a certain cocktail, a certain formula that we say, okay, this is what we think we can implement and we will be proven right or wrong by the platforms as to how we can help you scale and grow and get to that next level. So the whole system is all about that. And then we implement. And then once we get data back, then we iterate on the best solutions. And it's just really that simple. That's what customer acquisition amplification is really all about. In this case, the first step was we had to get the damn ad account back. So we sort of break this down by steps. We didn't really have a whole lot to talk about if we can't you know, get on the bat phone and talk to Facebook and say, listen, these guys are a legitimate business. They're not trying to do something that's you know, out of the way, we had multiple policy reviews. I don't even know what my VP of ops, Angela Ponsford said to them, but she said something. She should like bottle it and sell it in the outside world. But point was this policy said, yeah, you guys are right. Like they're a legitimate business. And so we got the ad account back and now we were basically in business to do step one. So I guess that is step one. Step two, now that we have something to actually do, 
we executed what we refer to as the traffic harmonizer. And like I said, the traffic harmonizer system is in essence, we diagnose where the real issue is, then we prescribe a solution, then we implement that solution, then we iterate on that solution. So in this particular case, it was kind of clear, like we, we wanted to start in a space where we had a lot of expertise. Now that we had that ad account back, let's start with their Facebook ad account. Their Facebook ad account was basically a mess. So we superimposed our campaign structure on it which we refer to as the ad amplifier system, which is sort of five levels of traffic. And then after we got success there, then we layered on Google, which is what we're doing now. And we actually have to update the um, customer acquisition amplification model to include performance max. But the ad account itself, let's not talk about Google. Let's just really talk about Facebook. The issue was, is when they did get their, well, some of their previous campaigns at an extremely high frequency. So high frequency, to you means what? Like, what's the problem, Kasim? If you see that, like, I see the offer is not strong enough, right? But also, who are they probably targeting? Oh, people have already bought their own clients. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. And even so, they were for whatever reason, even their cold traffic campaigns, they did have some lookalike audiences. They didn't do much in the way of exclusions of you know customer lists, people have visited the website you know, engaged in videos, all these other sorts of exclusions that we do, engage with their page, Instagram, that, all that. But what we found is that what Facebook was really doing is, is just circling the wagons on the same small group in the mm. audiences and just beating them to death with these really bland ads that, as you can see at this screenshot that we're looking at right here, was about a 0 0.07 ROAS, which is pretty horrible. And this is back in early 2020, well, we had a, you know, a tremendous amount of, of visibility into the account. So what we realized, okay, we need a restructure of this damn thing and change these super high frequencies. So here's one thing that I want to make mention of that I really respect about whoever this client is. They spent 80 grand. They spent 80 grand. Usually when I see a failed campaign, it's like, oh, I spent $3,000 and I couldn't make it work. And it, at that point, I'm always like, well, I don't know that you didn't make it work. Maybe you stopped three feet from gold. You didn't reach, you know, whatever, critical mass. But the fact that these folks actually spent in the ecosystem, that gave you, the, the, the agency, the ability to go in there and truly diagnose. And I think, that that's, I think that's an important distinction here. That's a really good point. I mean, if you have 3,000 in ad spend, you say, eh, I can't make Facebook work. It's kind of hard. I mean, we do have a division that deals with those types of lower ad spends, maybe not 3000 lifetime, but you know, at least $3,000 a month. Uh, but you're, you, when you make that diagnosis and that prescription, you have so many fewer data points mm. to be able to implement on and ultimately iterate on a solution for them. So here to your point, like this is a screenshot where it was June through September, they spent 77 grand. Well, and it's not for not. You think, okay, I spent 77 grand and my ROAS was 0 0.07. Is that abysmal? Yes. But I still have $77,000 worth of data. Yes. And, and that's truly valuable. Like there are bridges that were built here that a good ad agency or a good, and I'm not trying to, you know, say you have to use an agency, but like a good media buyer would be able to go in and be like, oh, I think I know where to start or where you went wrong or where it went off the rails. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And when we see that, and that's one of the questions that we use to to qualify new customers. It's like the higher that monthly amount is that they're spending, the more we're going to know. Right. Otherwise, if you're under 2000 in monthly spend, like 
we're going to have to kind of figure a lot of that out in the first month or two. Like there's no guarantees. Like this took three to four months for us to really gain momentum on it. This is not one of those stories like, yeah, Tier 11 took over and instantly they made a million dollars. Like if any agency says they can do that, they're, they're totally lying to you. And I see all you the tell clients is I'm like, yeah. all right, I'll see you in 30 days. Yeah. Yeah. Like we work very close to the customers for the first 30 days, but expectations are everything. And if we don't set the right expectations, they're gonna be like, what the hell are you guys doing? It's 30 days. Why aren't I profitable yet? Well, we've got no data. We've got 30 days of data, but you didn't have anything to begin with. So therefore there's going to be a ramp. There's going to be a runway. And you pay for it with money or time, right? So either you, you spend the money and you squash the time or you spend a little bit of money and time expands. Mm. And that's basically what it, in most cases we have to do. So that's why we say like for most customers that come on board, like, hey, you want to spend like ten, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 a month on ads at least for three to four months. Like that will give us a very good sum of data in which to make corrections mm -hmm. and iterate on the best solutions. Hey, it's Gossam here and I have another question for you. What would your business look like if you had 55% more traffic, 67% more leads and 30% more revenue on top of what you're already producing? Would that make a big difference in your bottom line or even your bank account? Well, those are the statistics for businesses that blog consistently. And I think the reason is simple. It's because Google wants to recommend websites with helpful content. Here's the problem. If you're like me, you don't have the time to sit down and write blogs. And even if I did manage to get enough words on the page, none of it's going to be any good. So if you're in that same position, I want to recommend our buddies at BKA Content who will write all of your blogs for you. They'll do all the research and all the writing. So all you have to do is copy and paste. If you want to try them out, they're giving PT listeners 50% off. That's 5-0% off their first month. Just go to bkacontent.com forward slash perpetual. That's bkacontent.com forward slash perpetual. This is totally off topic, but I just want to comment. I'm looking at this screen that Ralph is sharing right now and y'all's nomenclature makes me so happy just as a data nerd. And I know how important nomenclature is for campaign build. And the way that you have this broken up, I just get the big, I'd love to dive into the mind of whoever structured this because I just, I, I can see the way that they would use it to filter, exclude, identify, split test, et cetera. So a note for you listeners, nomenclature, violently important. I can't, it can't be overstated enough. And we use the nomenclature. We have a very strict SOP on it and it's how we pull all our data reporting through our own tracking and reporting system, sort of our data studio. It's how we will be able to sort data through wicked reports. It's how our media buyers manage everyday campaigns. Like it's everything. It we is. have a whole episode on nomenclature. I know nobody will listen to it, but we it would be valuable. Should. You know, like, yeah. yeah. We probably should. And we call this, we call this campaign hygiene. Mm. At least I call it campaign hygiene, but I look in this account and these guys know what they're doing. You look at any Trillium account, you see this. So going back to how they had it, you know, it's just like, it's just a big mess, yeah. you know? So anyway, so that's one of the reasons why. So anyway, so we normalized the frequency, got it down where the frequency is now a three, 3.87. Now that is all campaigns. So, and you can actually look at, you know, T11 webinar L1 
you can see that frequency. That's the one that's actually shut off in that month. It's a frequency of about two. And then the L3, which is basically is a retargeting campaign, has a frequency of 25, mm. which is super high. But, you know, there's probably a reason as to why. And that's still actually running to this day. It's also getting a pretty tremendous ROAS. It's like a 10x ROAS on the damn thing. So actually 7x. The point is, is every individual campaign, depending on their level of traffic, and by level of traffic, I mean level one is cold. They don't know who you are. Got all the exclusions as much as we possibly can. How can we convert that traffic? That's the most important part of a campaign is 80% of our ad spend, 90% of our ad spend in a lot of cases, Casa, might be level one traffic. And that's where we really focus the majority of our energy because the retargeting stuff is kind of easier. Level two is like, all right, I click through, I watch a video, like 25% of it, or maybe I click through and I land on a landing page, or maybe I go to a collection page. I don't select a product or I don't actually go to the product page quite yet, that's level two. So they sort of know who you are. And then we show them ads that are slightly different than their level one ads. Now you have an awareness of who this customer is. So we use UGC content. We use a lot of retargeting. We we'll use a lot of dynamic product ads at that level, especially for e-commerce customers. Level three is, and you can see it in the campaign structure here, is they've selected a product. These guys have already gone to the product page, but they haven't actually added to cart as of yet. Very different ads. You're not going to show them a level one ad. Hey, you know, let me give you a tip about like how to repair your credit. Like at level three, it's like, you're right on the edge. Like that messaging is going to be very, very different. And like I said, we have all those assets in this, this, this presentation, which we'll be showing at AdWorld. But anyway, the point is, is like every level, level four is add to cart, add to cart, and then I abandon. What's the abandonment rate on add to cart? What? what 70%. 70%. Yeah. We see it upwards of 90% on mobile. It really depends. And that's another sort of thing that we really look at. And that's a sort of a conversion architecture after the click enhancement is if you've got 90% abandonment of cart at, on mobile, you really need to work on that. Right. You should get it to maybe 60 or 70%. 70% is actually kind of good. I hate to say it. Can I confess is, something? Yeah. This is, so this is dirty, especially given what I do for a living. But anytime I want to buy anything online, I go, I add it to my cart. I start the checkout process and I go all the way through up until I, I just did this, you know, that remarkable notepad with the pencil that I, yeah. I want one of those yeah. things, but it's just a little more expensive than I want to pay. So right. just the other day I went and I added it to my cart and I went to the checkout procedure and I gave my email and then I jumped ship. And now they're starting to both nurture me via email and ads. And I'm just waiting for the redemption where it's like, oh, 20% off. Yeah. So pro tip for those of you that want to really be mean to e-commerce companies, that's how you get the discounts. If, if you're smart as an e-commerce business, and I'm going to assume everybody on this that's listening to this show is smart if you're in e-commerce, is don't give the discount immediately. Right. Don't give up that a revenue. Yeah. Wait anywhere three to seven days for... Yeah. Deadbeats like Cossum to buy your product. <laughs> well, dude, nothing pisses me off more than paying full. I did this with James Clear. I bought James Clear's course mm -hmm. and I was super happy to pay full price, but I had signed up with my dummy email first just because I use a dummy email for stuff. And when I bought it, I used my real email. Well, because my, my dummy email never made the purchase, he sent me a 50% off coupon right on the heels of me paying full price. I was so mad. Oh, and now I'll never trust James Clear. It was great content, great course, but I, I don't trust it. Yeah, it's too early. Right. It's just way too early. We've tested this a hundred times till Tuesday. And thankfully, 
customers. They listen to our advice because we don't want to give up any revenue at all. You've worked hard to get them all the way to add it to cart. And the, the, you don't want to just easily acquiesce. It's like a negotiation, mm -hmm. right? You hit them with a couple of ads. Like typically we have, you know, add to cart ads for three days. They run maybe three to five days. They run in slightly differently. And then maybe after five to seven days, maybe then only then, or maybe out to 10 days, 10 days is a little bit too long. We might offer some kind of discount code, but you know, each one of those targeted audiences is really, really important. Even though it's way bottom of funnel, it might be, you know, 1% of your total ad spend, 2% of your total ad spend. I did an analysis of a million dollar a month customer a month or two ago, Kasim, and I realized that our level five traffic, which is our retargeting traffic to cross sell, to, to refill, it was a, a consumer goods company that in 30 to 45 days, you would have to do a refill. So mm. anyway, like that amount of spend was 0.06 of our total spend. But the return on investment, the ROAS on that was about a 25. Wow. 25X. But the point is like, you don't have to spend a lot of those deeper levels of retargeting. And the assets are really, really simple. And we cover that obviously in the, the graphic here and give it all away. So you guys can do the same for your business. But um, on your add to cart comment, by the way, we used to optimize for add to cart way, way back. And we realized that there's plenty of add to cart people out there. And all we were doing is finding through Facebook, the add to cart people and not the purchasers. Yeah, that's a really good thing for everybody to meditate on as we shift over to a performance max driven future. The machine will give you what you ask for. So be really careful what yeah. goals you're asking for because you'll get them, but, but then it, it might stop there. So you get a bunch of lead magnet downloads. I still, man, I get so mad when people talk to me about their, their cost per lead. Ugh. I don't care. Oh, I have $3 cost per lead. I don't care. It does not matter. Not only that, you're just mudding up your CRM. Like it's worthless. It's worthless data. Be really careful about what you ask for. Yeah. Yeah. And I know you guys use performance max for, for solutions eight and it didn't work out quite as well. And I've set up parameters to increase that lead quality because you still can get like cheap leads out there. Oh, dude, like, it was, it made it, it was actually overwhelming. My sales team was like, yeah. turn it off. We can't talk to these people. <laughs> we, you know, we have everybody who wants to run Google ads. Nobody had any, any ad spend. So we right. were on our second iteration. Now it's working a lot better. We are mid launch of our tier 11 performance max ads. I can't wait. I'm and, so excited. Yeah. And we're using the application, not the lead as the, as the key indicator, just like what you're saying. And our application, I don't think it's as long as maybe yours is. We've tested a lot of different types, but yeah, it's lead quality. Who cares about lead costs? Yeah. It's all about that lead quality. So anyway, so that add to cart thing is definitely is a, is a big one. And Facebook used to actually recommend, well, just up funnel your conversion. You know, if you have a very high consideration purchase, make the data look better, make the data look better. But you know, if you get a up funnel optimized for that, you'll get people in. Well, you'll get whatever the algorithm or, or whatever you put in, yeah. you'll get back. So, uh, we've resisted that. And so we optimize for purchase. If we want to purchase, we optimize for lead. If we want to lead, we don't do any of that other stuff. And it's just worked out well. It still does even to this day. So like I said before, like most of this traffic was, was being spent on level one or cold traffic campaigns. So you can see here, frequencies are a little bit more normalized on the twos and threes, which is about average. 
and a very smaller portion over to retargeting. And you can, you can see on this like screenshot, which Custom and I are looking at, it's about seven on uh, frequency there. So we, we solved the issue and that was the big learning. Then we started implementing some of our, some of our Google ads and Google was just cleaning up the stuff on the very lower end of the funnel, especially. And we started getting incredibly uh, high conversion rates, at least for us. Like we're not used to seeing 18% conversion rates on, you know, traffic. This is a lot of branded search stuff. This is a lot of, you know, specific, this is pre-performance max you're seeing here, but you know, we're getting a conversion value of about $140,000 off a $50,000 spend with a conversion rate on the page of about 18% on all our different ad groups here. So pretty good stuff. Like when you use these things in proportion to each other, they really start to, to work well. And that's the key is that we started to harmonize the traffic between Facebook, got our Facebook stuff really teed up. And then Google would just you know, put in the six inch putt. And then once the awareness was made on Facebook, a lot of people were just going over to Google and doing their branded search. And we had, we, that was the first thing that we did. That was the easiest Google stuff that we could do. And I don't know why, you know, more agencies don't do this at the very least. It's just like, get some damn, like, you know, branded search ads, at least well, on the, there. The branded search here was $1.50. The CPC on the brand was a buck fifty. And the, the, the companies, am I allowed to read their brand? Uh, they're in the credit space. Okay. So the company's in the credit space, but what they do is in their brand name. That's important because if somebody goes and Googles their name and they're not bidding on their own brand, then somebody else is going to come in and poach their brand, not even attempting to bid on the brand name. So to pay a buck 50 to protect your branded search, I think is an absolute no brainer. And I get people all the time yeah. saying, oh, I'm not going to pay for traffic. I would have gotten otherwise. And I'm like, no, I don't know that you would have gotten it otherwise. Well, unless you have magical SEO for all your main keywords, like you're really super easy, Dude, like in this then, case. But even if you're well-optimized, the, the first Still, result is yeah. three scrolls down. Yep. Google has pushed it all the way down. It's it's the ads and then the carousels and then the maps and then the suggestions yeah. and then the expansion boxes. And, the, you know, like it's, I, I don't know. I'm not bashing SEO. I think it's critically important. I have four people on staff dedicated to nothing but making Solutions 8 number one for keywords that we want and like. But yeah. it, like you're saying, with all the rest of this, they need to work in tandem. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's one more tool. Right. You can't, you can't survive on one alone. And if you're not at least spending on your, your branded search or variations thereof of your branded search, it's like, I, I think we bid on like perpetual traffic. People are going to go over to Google now, you know, just in case people are looking that up. You know what I mean? So that's really brilliant. I'm going to go. So, I mean, <laughs> you're going to go <laughs> click on some of those. But no, the point is, is like there's 117 million results for this one keyword, which is basically their brand name. But embedded in the brand name is also the thing that might be a keyword search. Hmm. So anyway, it's just sort of a it's a no brainer. It's a six inch putt. This is actually a like a four foot putt here, but it's really it's a six inch putt. Like, why not do it? The third step that we did is, okay, we have, we got the ad account back. Step number one, it's a biggie. Number two is we cleaned up the campaigns. We installed the traffic harmonizer with Facebook and with Google with that branded search. So once again, we also got our campaign hygiene really cleaned up, cleaned those teeth, you know, scraped off all the tartar, got everything kind of going in the right direction. The point was, is that melded traffic between 
cold traffic and retargeting traffic all in the same campaigns, it's not the way to acquire new customers on social. So we did all that. We had a really good foundation. If you want to see the customer acquisition amplification image itself, it should be on the tier 11 website. So, well, that is this week's episode, everyone. Subscribe and leave a rating wherever you are listening to podcasts. Uh, let us know what you can, we can do better at perpetualtraffic.com forward slash better. Uh, you can follow us over at Twitter as well. Go back and listen to uh, previous episodes. And like I said, all the resources and show notes are at perpetualtraffic.com. So on behalf of my awesome co-host, Qasem Aslam, until next show, see ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. 